7, page 103. Chapter 5. Shams return to Konya and his death. Nobody loves the one that sheds my blood. I lost my life. Losing my shoe or my turban is no big thing. Oh heart, you go too. Because this sacrifice is not for you. It's for me. It's for me. Rumi gave the last letter he wrote to Shams to Sultan Velet and he saw him off and twenty of his friends with him too. Sultan Velet also bid farewell to his father with respect. I am going to bring that Sultan, the lover of God, back. He set off to Damascus. He was riding his horse on the plains, on the slopes, on the mountains, without getting tired. He was getting over every difficulty easily. The weather conditions could not restrain him. The inflictions on this path of love did not bother him, because love revives the dead. Lovers know that their trouble is their cure, so they don't look for another cure. The only thing that they want is non-existence, being nothing. So. They wish to get rid of their presence entirely. They drink the wine of life without a glass, without lips. Sultan Velet moved forward without stopping to arrive in Damascus and to bring Shams to his father as soon as possible. At last he arrived in Damascus and found the Khan in Jebeli Salihiye, as Rumi said. Shams was playing chess calmly with a European boy as if he was not aware of Rumi, whose heart was burning with the fire of separation. He made a move and said to the boy, looking into his eyes, Checkmate. The European boy said, You won. My entire fortune is yours. But there's something in you that burns my heart. Please let me be at your service. Let me be with you as your loyal servant. Please accept my request, sir. Shams said, You played well. I accept your fortune and return it to you. Go back to your country and warn your folks when the time comes. This is your real duty. Then you will have pleased me. He was about to stand up. Suddenly he saw Sultan Velet at the door. Sultan Velet laid out the gifts he brought before Shams and kissed his hand with great respect in his soul. Then he said, My Sultan, the people of Konya sent their greatest regrets for gossiping about you and they're inviting your majesty back to Konya. They all regret they are waiting for you to honor Konya again. But Shams did not show any reaction to these words. Sultan Velet continued, Sir, besides these, my father who loves you at least as much as I do invites you to Konya. Upon these words, Shams straightened up and said, These gifts you laid out cannot win my heart. Muhammad-hearted Rumi's invitation is enough. His will and order should not be rejected. After a few days, Shams handed out all he had to poor people and headed towards Konya with Sultan Velet and his friends. On the way back, Shams of Tabriz rode the horse, and Sultan Velet walked all the way beside him, 
holding the bridles of the horse. Although Shams insisted, Sultan Velet did not ride the horse. He said, When the Sultan rides the horse, the servants should not, it is improper. Riding the horse is for you, my Sultan, because you are the beloved, I am the lover. You are the master, I am the servant. I should walk, I should run after you. How can a master and a servant ride a horse together? It is not possible. You are the life. I am alive with you. So, Sultan Velet walked for more than a month. The road was difficult. The journey was difficult. But it seemed easy because that fatigue unlocked the doors of the treasure. During this long journey, Shams had adorned Sultan Velet's heart with his divine discourses and spiritual secrets and showed him miracles. Finally, they decided to rest at Khan Zinjirli for a while nearby Konya. Sultan Velet had sent one of his men to inform his father of their arrival. When Rumi received the news, he gave whatever he had with him to that messenger and said in tears, Give all you have to this messenger and read a poem. Spill water on the roads. Give good tidings to the gardens. The smell of spring is coming. He is coming, it is he. Our bright moon, the dear one is coming. Let him pass, make way, disperse. Stand aside, all of you. His face is radiant, so pure. Illuminating where everywhere he walks. He is coming, it is he. Our bright moon, the dear one is coming. The sky covered the ground all of a sudden. Smell of musk surrounded everywhere. All hell broke loose all of a sudden. He is coming, it is he. Our bright moon, the dear one is coming. Vineyards got refreshed and enlightened. All of a sudden, I saw the vineyards. No more sorrow, no more grief. He is coming. It is he. Our bright moon, the dear one is coming. Arrow speared up. It almost hit the target. Gardens are saluting. Cypresses are standing. Meadows are on the road. There he is coming on his horse. Why are we waiting? He is coming. It is he. Our bright moon, the dear one is coming. If you come, you will see, O Shams. Silence has become our manner. Silence, I may give my life for your beautiful eyes. There, beautiful eyes are coming. He is coming, it is he. All the people of Konya were waiting on the roads. Rumi started to wait for him at the entrance of the city with some friends to welcome Shams. Finally, Shams and Sultan Velet burst into sight. Shams was coming on the horse slowly, in white dress like a pilgrim, and Sultan Velet was walking next to him with the bridles of the horse in his hand. Everyone was excited to see them. As they approached, Rumi ran towards them and held the bridles. When Shams raised his hand, they caught each other's eyes. The craving of months had ended. The two seas had met again. All the pains and sorrows of Rumi turned into happiness. 
He bloomed like a rose when he saw his face. He was delighted. He was free of the springs of separation with this meeting. He said, Oh, the phoenix of the truth that souls whirl around. Thank God you are back. Oh, Israfil of the day of judgment. Oh, the love of love. Oh, the lover that is loved by soul. Oh, the only son. For hundreds of thousands of times, I lost my mind with the desire to listen to you. You were the one to accept my words of heart known by you like a treasure. Rumi invited Shams to his house. Everyone was happy and delightful at home. Shams, the son of love, was back. They prepared a modest place in the house for him. Shams was telling Rumi about their journey with Sultan Velet and how he served throughout the journey. I have two gifted states. One is my head. The other is my secret. I have already sacrificed my head for your path, and I gave my secret to Sultan Velet. If Sultan Velet had a life as long as Hazrat Noah's, and he spent his life worshipping, he still couldn't reach what I have given with my secret. The ones who denied Shams at the beginning went to him for forgiveness. Oh, the great of the greats, we all repented. We regret what we did, and now we turn our faces to your truth. They all cried and felt embarrassed with great regret. Shams accepted their apologies and forgave them when he saw their deep sorrow. He said nice things and pleased them. After that, the two sultans started their discourses in the madrasa again. They were in seclusion day and night. After weeks and months of seclusion, Shams started to give discourses to the people who came to visit him. Shams' words were spreading, and Rumi's students and friends were showing their dissatisfaction of this situation. They were jealous of their proximity to each other. On the other hand, they were not forgetting Rumi's grief after Shams had disappeared. Again, one day, Shams and Rumi were in deep conversation. Sultan Velet came next to them, asking for permission. He told about the gossip continuing in Konya and said, O oh Shams, if you want, you can end all of these murmurs and my father, you and I, shall live in peace and participate in this feast of spiritual meal. Shams did not answer. He said, Come here, Velet. After educating him a bit, he suddenly stood up and left. Sultan Velet and Rumi thought that something good would happen, and they would get rid of these gossip and instigations in the hearts. But it wasn't so. Shams climbed up the Alatin hill. A group of people were waiting for someone's execution there. The crowd that was waiting for the ceremony which would take place one hour before dawn, saw Shams and started gossiping. Who said that this dervish was a friend of God? He is here like us, watching a man to be executed. We were right. At that moment, the executioner was passing them by. It was believed that 
touching an executioner was accepted as a curse. So everyone stepped aside as to not touch him. When he was passing by Shams, Shams put his hand on his back and said, God help you. This was heard around Konya in a short time. The executioner completed his mission and the execution was completed. When Shams was back at home, Rumi and Sultan Velet were awake, waiting for him after the morning prayer. They saw that many people were coming behind Shams. It was apparent that there was something going on. This big crowd has chosen twenty of them as their spokesmen, who were shouting, Shams must answer our questions. Rumi thought that Shams was disturbed, so he tried to calm him down. But Shams said, Come in, what do you want? Suddenly, there was a great panic. Against this courage, they tried to say, So you were there, and you watched the execution with curiosity like us. Shams, I am not you. Did you know that if I could spit on your faces, that would be a grace for you? Now get out. The people dispersed in panic without understanding anything. When Shams came back, he said to Sultan Velet, Now I will give my final lesson to you. Listen to me very well. I went there because the man that would be executed was a lover of God. He was my friend. We were both dervishes and were together five years ago. He always prayed to unite with God, but God did not accept his prayers. Since it is forbidden to kill himself in Islam, he was burning with fires, but could not unite with God. In the spiritual realm, he has been begging me to pray for him since last week. So, I was opening my hands to God for him after performing my prayers. Finally, he was accused of defamation and I heard that he would be executed as a murder suspect. How come I should not say, God help you, to the executioner? Do you think that it is easy to execute a saint, a friend of God? Nobody can do it. I gave a spiritual electricity to him so that he could go and execute him and so that my dear friend could unite with God. Just then, the executioner arrived in a great distraught. He kneeled by Shem's knees. Oh, my sultan, what have I done, he said. Shams turned to Sultan Velet and said, Do you know that the executioner has become a saint? Because when surrendering to God, my friend said, My God, I have been begging you for five years to take this soul. You didn't. Now I am requesting you to take whatever I have that belongs to in this world from me and give it to this executioner who executed me to unite with you. You are my witness that I don't have anything but this shirt. But I have something very precious, and that is sainthood. Take that sainthood and give it to this executioner. Let me come to you as a pure servant. God has accepted his wish and gave his sainthood to this executioner. This time, Rumi was decisive to keep Shams in Konya permanently. He was afraid that some rude people would start gossiping again.
He definitely did not want to lose him once more. The soul could not leave the body. If he let him marry and have a family, he would settle in Konya and never go away again. One day, when he was wandering in the garden of the madrasa, he saw Kimya, the fiancé of his son Alatin Chelebi. He was walking towards him, and suddenly he saw Shams at the door of the madrasa. When Kimya raised her head and saw the bright face of Shams, the world seemed to stop at that moment. Everything was erased from her eyes, and only Shams was left, so that the thorn of the rose that she was smelling pricked her hand. But she was neither aware of the pain nor the blood slowly flowing down her finger due to her fascination by Shams. Rumi smiled and said to himself, I will let Shams and Kimya marry. Kimya was a very beautiful girl, both in appearance and in spirituality. She was angel-mannered, dressed up with apparent and hidden decency, and rich at heart. She was raised by Rumi's spiritual education. First, he told this to Kara Hatun. Then, Kimya's approval was given by her. But Rumi did not know how he would persuade Shams. He proposed Kimya as a wife to him, while they were having a discourse. Shams did not want to refuse Rumi and accepted Kimya Hatun as a wife. They separated the madrasa with a curtain and prepared a room for them. At their wedding ceremony, Rumi held Shams and Kimya Hatun's hands and said, You deserve each other so much that I can't think of anyone else for both of you. Become one, like rose and rose scent, like milk and sugar. Give meaning and add value to each other. Let this marriage be so harmonious and nested that no one shall think any of you without the other. Shams and Kimya Hatun were happy. However, Alatin Chelebi was angry at his father, who breached his engagement with Kimya and deemed her worthy of marrying Shams and he was resentful to Shams. He could not forget Kimya, with whom he was dreaming of a happy marriage. He still had his eye on her. The window of the new married couple's room was facing the garden. Sometimes, Alatin was walking in the garden to see Kimya through the window. One day, he saw Shams in the garden. Shams had understood his intention and got angry with him. They had a short argument. After they argued, Alatin said that he would take his revenge with rage and walked away. This argument that took place between Shams and Alatin was heard by many people in a short while. In the meantime, Shams had forbidden Kimya Hatun to get out of the house without his permission. So, she was never going out and she was only serving Shams day and night. The group of people that caused Shams to leave Konya before had not calmed down, even though they had expressed their regrets. They were like an ambush for him. The argument that took place between Shams and Alatin was an opportunity for them. They were calling Alatin aside and saying to him, Shams should be annihilated. Then. Kimya will be with you again, 
and the people will be with Rumi again. Alaaddin Chelebi was justifying them. Shams had taken away his lover from him and had not left a place for him in his own house. Shams was behaving like the house was his possession. Three months later, Kimya Hatun had become ill and she died. The enemies of Shams said, Kimya Hatun died because of distress. Who can endure Shams? And started gossiping again. Shams was shaking with the deep sorrow of Kimya's death. He was not leaving his room. His only consolation was Rumi. Rumi was not leaving Shams alone for a moment, and he was sharing his pain with him. The people were continuing to gossip, and it had reached Shams' ears. He said to Sultan Velet, O oh, Sultan Velet, you see what people have turned into again. How they bunched up with furry. They all want to separate and fend me off from Rumi's door, who is unique in showing the true path. Then they will become happy. This time, I want to go in such a way that no one shall know where I will be. Let everyone be incapable of finding a sign of me. Even if many years pass by, no one shall find a track of me. But this time, the separation will be very miserable. The enemies of Shams thought that the only way to get rid of Shams was to kill him. So, they appointed seven people for this duty, one of whom was Alatin Chelebi. That night, Konya was in absolute silence. The wind was not blowing. The branches were not moving. In the darkness of the night, a thin, weak candlelight was coming through the room of Rumi and Shams. The two lovers were having a deep discourse. That night, Rumi could not take his eyes off of Shams. He was lost in his eyes like he was trying to drink the water before being stranded in the desert. Rumi's heart was trembling as if he sensed what would happen soon, while Shams was opening the treasures of the realm of secrets one by one. The door was knocked on many times in the sweetest moment of discourse. Who is it? they asked. The voice outside said, O oh Shams, open the door. I come from far away. I am a passenger. I don't want to interrupt your seclusion. I will just kiss your hand and go. Can you please come outside? Shams looked into Rumi's eyes like saying, My lover, it is time for separation again. But this time, there won't be a reunion. He said, Do you hear? They are calling me. Rumi's knees started shaking. He wanted to kneel down by Shams' knees and shout out, Don't go, the soul of my soul, don't leave me alone. But he couldn't move. Only a verse came out of his mouth. The sun, the moon, and the stars are subjected by his command. Unquestionably, his is the creation and the command, Blessed is God, Lord of the worlds. When Shams went out, seven people waiting in ambush attacked him with their knives. A great scream of God broke the silence of the city that was buried in darkness. He yelled so strongly that the people there 
had almost lost themselves. Rumi rushed out in a hurry, but there was nothing left of Shams, other than a few drops of blood and the scream of God still ringing in his ear. Finally, Shams had sacrificed his head for the love of Rumi. Without knowing what to do, Rumi ran to Sultan Velid's room and knocked on the door sharply. Get up, Batin, get up. Look for your sheikh. Our nose has become distanced from his graceful scent again. And he fell on the ground. Sultan Velid looked for a trace of Shem's bright face everywhere in the dark with a few men, but they couldn't find anything. With empty hands and hopelessness, they went back to Rumi, who was waiting in hope with tears in his eyes. Rumi was deeply shaken with the news that Shams could not be found. He was not going out of his room, not seeing anyone, not eating, not drinking, not sleeping. Every time the door was knocked on, his heart was beating as if Shams had come. But when he was seeing someone else, he was deeply sighing. He was wandering around the places where they were walking with Shams remembering their days together, looking for a trace of him everywhere. He did not want to believe the possibility of his death. He had again sent his messengers everywhere. One day, a man came to Rumi and said that he had seen Shams in Damascus. Rumi was so happy with this news that he donated him everything he had on him. At that moment, one of his students said to him, this man is lying. He can't have seen Shams. Rumi said, Yes, I gave him whatever I had for this false news he gave. I would have given my life if it was true. While days were passing by, the fire in Rumi's heart was not fading. One night, Sultan Velet saw Shams in his dream. Shams said to him, They cut my head and threw it into a well. Then he described the well and said, Find the well, take me out and bury me. Upon this dream, Sultan Velet took action and found Shams' body in the well, just like described in his dream, took him off and buried him next to the grave of Amir Bedrettin Gavhartash. Sultan Velet did not tell Rumi that Shams was killed. He was trying to console him, saying, he will certainly come back to Konya one day. But Rumi's heart was not able to bear this grief of separation. Even if it was not told to him, he knew that Shams, his moon-faced, rose-scented lover, had gone to a road of no return. Soul of hundreds of rose gardens, you have vanished from Yasmin. Soul of my soul, why have you vanished from me? Since heaven through you is resplendent, what is veiled to you? Since the body through you is living, how have you vanished from the body? Oh, the Sultan of the Saints! What wonder if you vanish from us and the two worlds, O oh, selfless moon that has vanished from self! Oh, the one apparent to the souls, you have vanished, so that you are obvious, but you have vanished. You have fallen into a well like Yusuf, O Shams of Tabriz. 
O the water of life, you have vanished from the string of the well. End of part. Page 121. Part 8. Page 123. Chapter 6. Rumi after Shams. The inside and the outside of my heart is He. My body, my soul, my veins, my blood is He. Now, how can faith and faithlessness fit into this? How can my existence remain? I don't exist anymore. My existence is He. Rumi was wearing a turban like all the scholars, leaving a tip dangling from behind the turban. Again, like all the scholars, he was wearing a large, white-sleeved cardigan. After forty days of Shem's disappearance, he put on a smoke-colored turban instead of a white one and an open-chested, long-sleeved cassock made of Yemeni and Indian cloth. At last, Rumi understood that Shams was killed and was in deep sorrow to learn that his son Alatin Chelebi had a hand in this crime. Give your ear and listen to what the police says. He says a man of heart has disappeared in this neighborhood. He says that suddenly someone has found a trace of him and that you should see the signs. Here you see his clothes covered with blood. We have been looking for him so long. The ones who are looking for him cried out so much everywhere. They beat their breasts. The blood of lovers doesn't get old. They aren't forgotten. The blood of the lovers remains as it is. Always fresh, always warm. Don't say this is an old blood vengeance. Don't ignore this. Blood gets dark when it dries. But the blood of the lovers never stops. It will run through hearts forever. What is hiding here is your bloody glance. It is your eyes that present that big glass. They are the ones who come as drunk. They are the ones that steal the hearts. They are the ones that touch on the raw. Either show up when they disappear or give that lost heart back. O oh heart, if you find the smallest grace from that sweetheart, thank God. The whole realm has melted in one drop of that sea. But how much can a fly eat from that sweet? If you get killed like this one day, you will reach eternity and remain alive forever. Salutations to Tabriz from that martyr's heart. Rumi was whirling day and night. His tears never stopped. His shouts were cauterizing hearts. Exhausted from crying, he was reading poems full of yearning. Shame on you. You went and left us with a lot of pain and yearning. I know you didn't want to. You whimpered and complained, but it was no use. You obeyed the order, the verdict that has no mercy, and you passed by. You ran everywhere. You looked for a solution, an excuse to stay with us. But you couldn't find one, so you went desperately. Where is your lap full of roses? Where is your bright face like the moon? How come you went underground in a worthless and a vile way? 
You left the meetings with our fellows. You came out of the ones who were with you. But how could you go under the ground with ants and snakes? What happened to those beautiful words, those epigrams? What happened to that mind acquainted with the divine secrets? What happened to your blessed hands that were holding our hands? What happened to your feet that walked to vineyards and rose gardens? You were gentle, you were pleasant. You knew how to win people's hearts, how to love people. Now you went into that soil that eats human, that doesn't like human. What happened? What did you think when you were going on a long, remote and rough road? When you went to that road crying, the sky cried. The moon scratched its face and filled its heart with blood. What shall I ask? So you say, were you awake? If you left us and went, did you choose the discourse of the masters and the lovers of God? Or did you go without love? Did you go denying? The questions they asked you. What happened to your beautiful, sweet answers? You are quiet now. You gave up speaking. What fire is this? What yearning? Like a guest that sets off on a journey, you went off. Where did you go? There is no trace of you. How bloody is the way this time? Rumi was feeling himself alone with an emptiness in his heart, even though his family, children, students and servants were around him. Rumi was in need of a spiritual mirror like Shams, who would show what was in him to himself. This mirror is the face of the lover. When the eye of the beloved becomes the eye of the lover's heart, the heart of the lover sees the truth. One day, the people around Rumi said to him, You ruin yourself. You are devastated due to Shams' loss. But we want to ask you a question, if we may. Before Shams came, you were a perfect believer and a master with no hesitation. You knew everything. Also, didn't your master in Damascus tell you that there was nothing left for you to learn? Rumi said, Yes, true, you are right. They said, Then, what did you learn from Shams that has made you miserable and wretched like this? Look at yourself. Yes, everything you say is true. But I was able to get warm when I was cold before I met Shams. After him, I can't get feel warmth anymore. Because Shams taught me something. If one Muslim is cold on earth, you don't have the right to get warm. And he continued. I know that there are Muslims who are cold on earth. So I can't feel warmth. I was full when I ate a cup of soup before. Now I can't feel full. Because again, I know that there are hungry people on earth. This is what Shams taught me. After a while, Rumi became friends with Salatin, a goldsmith in Konya. Sheikh Salatin loved Rumi very much. They both had taken lessons from Sayyid Burhanettin and they were both from the sect of Nejmetini Kubra.
After Shem's loss, Rumi gravitated towards Sheikh Salatin and saw the light of Shem's on his face. He said to his friends around, Don't speak of Shem's to Salatin. There is no difference between them. But there is divine jealousy in saints. Only he could console Rumi after Shem's. Goldsmith Salatin was from Kamila village in Konya. His origin was said to be Tabriz in reality, like Shams of Tabriz. He was illiterate. He did not know how to read or write. Despite this, he was a master full of wisdom. He was a very clever and an understanding person. He was a knowledge and wisdom lover. With this love, he became a follower of Sayyid Burhanettin Tirmizi at a young age. After Sayyid Burhanettin went to Kayseri, Salatin could no longer live in Konya with the pain of separation in his heart. He went to his village to visit his parents and married there. After a while, he returned to Konya again. One day, he went to the mosque for Friday prayer. Rumi was speaking of Sayyid Burhanettin in the mosque. Suddenly, Salatin saw the light of Sayyid on Rumi's face. He bellowed with rapture and got kneeled down on Rumi's knees. He felt the warmth of the love towards Rumi, and he became one of his best friends, bonded by heart. After Shams had come to Konya, Salatin Zarkup had given his own room to these two sultans for their deepest discourses and served them himself. Salatin was a very good listener. He would always sit on his knees before Rumi, bow his head in front of him, and listen to his discourse with great attention. He would only answer if a question was asked to him. One day, Holiness Rumi was passing by Sheikh Salatin's workplace. At that moment, the voice of hammers with which the pupils were processing gold came to his ear. They were all in harmony and very impressive. Rumi paused in front of the workplace. He listened to the voices, his excitement increased, and he couldn't bear it. He held the color of his rope with his hand and started whirling. A crowd gathered around him. They informed Sheikh Salatin of Rumi's whirling. Goldsmith Salatin said to his pupils, Don't stop hammering. Don't be afraid that gold leaves will be damaged. He ran out and kneeled down to Rumi's feet. That day, from noon to afternoon, the Sultan of the Lovers did not refrain from whirling. This whirling of Rumi was opening the curtains of the eyes of Salatin's heart. It was making him fly in the spiritual realm. Upon this, his interest for worldly desires diminished. His existence had melted. Only his soul remained. He dove into the spiritual treasure. Right then, Rumi said, Stop. His servants came then. Rumi started whirling again with seriousness and said this couplet. A treasure has come out of that goldsmith workplace.
What an image. What a meaning. What a beauty. How beautiful. When Salatin went back to his workplace, he saw that it was full of gold leaves. The anvil and the other tools had all became gold. He shrieked and walked out. He started to tumble on the ground in front of Rumi. He called out to the people around. Loot, everyone, loot! All the gold in the workplace was looted in a short while. There was nothing left from his fortune since he forewent his apparent wealth for the sake of spiritual and eternal treasure he had found. He quit working and became one of the unemployed people. The pupils of the sheikh had hidden the golden anvil. They sold it and decided to spend the money for the expenditures of whirling ceremonies and fellows. Salatin, who was once matured by Sayyid Burhanettin's inspiration, had burned in an instant with the fire of Rumi's love. After this incident, goldsmith Salatin said to Rumi, There was a source of light inside me, but I wasn't aware. You uncovered it. Rumi, on the other hand, had found the spirituality of Shams in Salatin, and he had placed him in his heart's throne. He was praising Salatin, the master of the masters, as the saint of God, Bayezid of time, Junaid of the era, Jesus breathed, the Qutb of the two worlds. Goldsmith Salatin gained a stronger maturity in reaching God after he reached the affinity of Rumi. His looks started to inspire even a stone. His title changed to Sultan Salatin. After Shams got lost, Rumi assigned Salatin Zarkub to be the sheikh and guide his followers in 2029. Rumi turned his heart to him from then on. He quit seeing and talking to others. He was saying, Shams came back. He changed his clothes and came back to show his face and walk amongst us again. If the bowl of the wine changes, isn't it still the same wine? Sheikh Salatin, who was inspired by the three great sons of wisdom like Sayyid Burhanettin, Shams and Rumi, was implementing the religious principles very carefully as well. Rumi's enthusiasm had calmed down with Salatin. All the suffering and exertion turned into happiness. Salatin's guidance style was different. His spiritual generosity was more than others. A man could get what he couldn't get for years with only one breath from him. He was telling secrets without lips and therefore burning the eyes and hearts. He was a mature man and a mature master. Rumi was having deep and long discourses with him, just like he used to do with Shams. For the sake of his love, Rumi let his son Sultan Velet marry the sheikh's daughter Fatma Hatun. So, the bond between them has become even stronger by this affinity. Fatma Hatun, who was a mature lady and was performing miracles, had a sister named Hedie. Rumi also loved her very much and he was saying, Fatma is my right eye, 
and Hedia is my left eye. One day, Holiness Rumi was sitting in Sheikh Salatin's workplace. His friends were standing in a circle around the workplace, dealing with divine knowledge and secrets. Suddenly, an old man entered the workplace, crying and weeping. He kneeled down to Rumi's knees and cried. I lost my seven-year-old boy. I am exhausted from looking for him for many days, but I can't find him. Upon this, Rumi said angrily, It is weird that all the created have lost their God, but they are not looking for him, and they have no request for that. They don't tear their hearts out. Why are you like this? An old man like you is getting distraught yearning for his son. Why don't you look for God for a moment and ask for help, so that you may find your Yusuf like Jacob? The desperate old man repented immediately and started to pull himself together. Right then, news arrived that his son was found. Another day, Sheikh Salatin started to tell in his discourse with Rumi. One day, I was sitting before Sayyid Burhanettin, my head bowed in front of me. He was telling everyone how great Rumi was. He said, when Rumi was a child, I was his babysitter. In the times of ascension, I have taken him to the throne on my back more than twenty times. I have a right on him, but his right on me is a thousand times more than mine. Upon this, Rumi said, Yes, and he has hundreds of thousand times more. Rumi and Sheikh Salatin had left ten years behind. They were like two souls in one body. They were never apart. Sheikh Salatin became sick since he was losing so much weight due to too much worshipping and austerity. He was not getting better. He was getting weaker every day. Rumi was not letting him go. Therefore, as his illness didn't get any better, his suffering and infliction didn't go away. Rumi was visiting him almost every day and sitting next to him. Finally, one day, Sheikh Salatin said, Oh, the Almighty Sultan, please change this dress of existence so that I can get rid of this bother and go there pleasantly and vivaciously. Let me meet that sea that gives soul to soul, that pavilion that opens hearts. Let me leave this burden and get rid of this quantity and quality. Allow me to leave this world. Rumi couldn't resist this plea. He said, Your wish is granted, and he stood up and went home. He started to handle this. After that day, he never left his house. He didn't visit Salatin. He turned his face to the truth. Thereon, Salatin said, The soul is leaving the body. I fully understood that I am going to the world of eternity from the world of absence. He is not coming anymore. This means go. This is good news for the believers because their meeting day is the day of their death. Their pleasures, enthusiasm, and joys are death.
Rudni wrote a poem and sent it to him. When Sheikh Salatin read the poem and dove into spirituality, he undressed himself from his body and went to that lover of the lovers without hands and feet. The funeral was held by playing nays, drums and tambourines, just like he bequeathed. Rumi was feeling deep sorrow for Salatin's death. He read this poem for him. Oh, great being in reality, you were hundreds of universes appearing as one person. Last night, I saw that this universe and the other universes were crying for you. What a pity! What a pity that these eyes of Dot are crying for those that were seeing everything. Oh, Sheikh Salatin! Oh, fast-flying bird of happiness! You left me just as the arrow leaves the bow. Now the bow is crying too. Not everyone knows to cry for Salatin. Only one who knows for whom to cry knows crying. The death of goldsmith Sheikh Salatin opened the second wound of separation in Rumi's heart after Shams. They got close with Husamettin Chelebi in those days. Husamettin Chelebi was born in 1204 in Konya and he was left an orphan when he was a small child. He had started to visit the masters of time and listen to their discourses at a very young age. They were showing great interest in him. Husamettin Chelebi sacrificed all of his possessions for the sake of Rumi just like Abu Bakr had sacrificed his everything for the sake of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. One day, his servants complained to him that there was nothing left to live on. He ordered them to sell the properties in his house. Again, another day, they came and said, We have nothing else left. He said to them, Thanks to God of realms, it is bestowed that we followed the messenger of God. After Sheikh Salatin's death, Rumi said, O oh, Usametin, who follows God's path and principles, after Salatin, you are the Caliph, because it is all one. It is now your duty to provide the harmony of wisdom flames. He said to the people around, Enlighten your eyes with him. Let your eyes shine in such a rose garden, on such a river front. Whoever is not beautified, whoever is not completed, whoever is not tidied, he turns into gold under his favor. Because he is the head of everything, he serves the wine, he is the barkeeper. Whoever does not reach the secret, he grants him a secret. Whoever doesn't have a wink, he gives him a wink. He bestows love that shows the path to everyone. He grants everyone reality, love, and religion. He is the mind of mercy, the light of God. God never parts from him. Whoever is honored by God, can he ever be apart from him? Husamettin's work is from God. His words are from God. It is not from himself. He is a tool in God's hand. Hear the verse of Quran saying, He is with you. 
the one who created the two worlds is with everybody. One day, Rumi looked at Husamettin Çelebi and said, Come, my soul, come, my love, come, my sultan. You are my real sultan. Hereupon, Husamettin Çelebi started yelling and crying. Right then, Muinettin Pervane, the propeller, looked at Tajettin Mutezi from Khorasan and said, I wonder if Husamettin Çelebi has these qualifications that Rumi mentions. Or is he saying these to gain his heart? Husamettin Çelebi heard him and rushed towards him. O Amir Muineddin, even if I don't have those qualifications, it is not proper to say so. Rumi has just given them all to me at that moment when he was speaking. One of the men who were there asked Rumi which one of these regions is superior to others. Rumi said, O fellow, Shams was like the sun, Salatin was like the moon. Sultan Husamettin is like a star, because he has the same degree as angels. Doesn't each one of them convey you to God? So, know them all as equal. Whichever you opt to obey, he revives you. You never die again. One night, when Rumi was alone, Chelebi came before him and said, If a book like Feriduddin Attar's Book of God and the Canticle of the Birds was written, it would be a memory for all human beings. It would be a companion and a great guide to lovers. This servant of yours would appreciate that the precious friends shall turn their faces to Rumi's blessed face and that they don't get busy with anything else. Rumi was listening to Chelebi and he was smiling. When Chelebi stopped speaking, he took out a paper folded inside his holy turban. The first eighteen couplets of Mathnevi were written on that paper. From reed flute, hear what tale it tells, what plaint it makes of absence ills. From jungle bed, since me they tore, men's, women's eyes have wept right sore. My breast I tear and rend in twain, to give, through sighs, vent to my pain. Who's from his home snatched far away, longs to return some future day. I sob and sigh in each retreat, be it joy or grief for which men meet. They fancy they can read my heart, grief's secrets I to none impart. My throes and moans form but one chain. Men's eyes and ears catch not their train. Though soul and body be as one, sight of his soul hath no man won. A flame's the flute's wail, not a breath. That flame who feels not, doom him death. The flame of love, tis prompts the flute, Wine's ferment, love, its tongue not mute. The absent lover's flutes no toy. Its trills proclaim his grief 
is joy. Or bane, or cure, the flute is still. Content, complaining as you will. It tells its tale of burning grief, recounts how love is mad in brief. The lover, lover's pangs best knows, as ear receives tongue's plaint of woes. Through grief, his day is but a dawn, each day of sorrow torments pawn. My days are waste, take though no heed, though still are left my joy indeed. Whole seas of fish will never drown, a poor man's day seems all one frown. What boot from counsel to a fool? Waste not thy words, thy wrath let cool. Rumi told Husamettin Chelebi that he was inspired by the unseen realm of God to write such a work of art. Thus, it had started to be written with these eighteen couplets of Mathnawi, which was handed out to Chelebi that night. Mathnawi is the most beautiful gift of the coalescence of Rumi and Husamettin Chelebi. It took years to write it. Rumi was saying when whirling, when discoursing, on the way, in the vineyard, in the madrasa, from night till the morning, every hour, everywhere. And Husamettin Chelebi was writing his words with love and pleasure. Only Husamettin Chelebi, who loved Rumi more than himself, and who could vanish in his love, could do this. Finally, Mathnawi, the masterpiece of world literature and one of the guides to spiritual life, has been completed in almost 18 years as six volumes. Rumi named this great love an important work as Husami Name, and he added praises for him at the beginning of each volume as Light of the Truth Husamettin, Divine Light of the Stars Sheikh Husamettin, The Life of the Hearts Husamettin. End of part, page 142.